Hey everyone, how are you? It is Mike Sparacino here. I'm joined as always by Liam the Chellmaster Godimer. Welcome to episode 29, at least I think it's episode 29 of Pucks and Brews. Hope everybody had a lovely Merry Christmas. Uh, hope everyone got to spend time with their families, had a good time, hopefully had some laughs, watched some football. Jets are still alive. Liam, how are you? Somehow. <laughs> Somehow the Jets are still alive, Shades. Uh, of course, I hope you had a nice Christmas, too, and I uh, hope everyone had a happy holiday who's either listening or watching. Uh, and it's good to be back. And every time you introduce me as Liam, the Chellmaster Godimer Shades, just gets me every time, just brings a smile right to my face. So thank you for that. You're welcome. You could also thank Brendan because he was the one who originally came up with the nickname. So, well, it's funny. He calls me the chill master, even though I've beaten him a grand total of one time over our, let me count, 200 times plus we've played each other. So, dear Lord, know, might be a little bit of a generous nickname, but I digress. My God, I, Brendan is just so filthy at the game. It's not even fair. He is. And the one time I beat him, let me tell you, I was freaking out. I, <laughs> I, can I wasn't saying. I wasn't saying it over the controller. I didn't want to make him feel bad, but uh, that was that was a moment of pride for me, for sure. <laughs> I remember last time I played show with him, we did a best of five spanning across NHL 04, NHL 10, and NHL 14. Oh, goodness. I, I took the series. You won? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, that's what happens when you put, like, decent NHL games in my hands. I can actually play. Here's the thing with Brendan, right? He's so even-tempered. Like, you know, he'll never let you see him upset. But, like, you could just tell. Like, if you beat him, like, you know. Hmm. It gets to all of us, right? I mean, Chell brings out a different uh, different kind of rage. I know with you, too. Didn't you have to put the game down for a number of years? Wasn't that I enough? literally have not bought it since 19. I, like, I had to stop. Yeah. I, well, I it's been the same to. game. Just updated rosters. So you're not missing out on much. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured, which is kind of a shame, but oh well. For sure. All right, so let's get started here today with the actual hockey content. So first and foremost, Alex Ovechkin, congratulations on scoring your 801st and 802nd career goal, tying and passing Gordie Howe for second on the all-time list in the same game, which thank God I was able to be home and watch that game and witness history I mean, this is just incredible. We literally might never see something like this again. You know, Shades, we, we we dove pretty deep into it last episode, but the greatness that is Alex Ovechkin, I mean, it just continues to grow day by day. And for now, you know, he is quite a ways away from the next uh, person. He is going to leapfrog uh, on the list of all-time goal-scoring leaders. But once he does, once he scores his 894th and his 895th goal, the conversation is going to continue to develop furthermore uh, into diving deeper into the greatness that is Alex Ovechkin. You know, how great is he? You know, we were talking about it last episode, right? If he reaches a thousand goals, is he the greatest hockey player of all time? You know, can you make that distinction? You mentioned, which you made a great point, that if there was no uh, lockout shortened season in 0405, um, excuse me, yeah, in 0405, and there was no. Well, there was a, that wasn't even a lockout shortened season. That was a full lockout. Yeah, that was a lockout. That was a full-on lockout. You know, Ovechkin probably would have been closer to that number. But for right now, uh, we can bask in his glory. Uh, we can celebrate uh, just the terrific talent that he is. And the fact that he scored 801 and 802 on the same night, that's pretty special as well. So, And in the way it happened, too, it was like a range of emotions within five seconds of him passing to Kuznetsov and me going, what are you doing? 
and then Kuznetsov not shooting and passing back to him, me going again, what are you doing? And then Ovi, of course, scoring with his back to the net, which is just, of course he did, because he's Alex Ovechkin. And he, of course, it had to be a highlight real empty net goal. <laughs> and it's insane that somebody with 800 plus goals when in a goal scoring situation when the opposing team has an empty net is not looking to score a goal himself. He's not looking to get himself closer to breaking that record of Wayne Gretzky's. No, he's trying to pass it off to a teammate so he can get a goal. And of course, right. You do something nice. It comes right back to you. That's what happens to Ovechkin. And you're right. Very interesting point that that was one of the few highlight reel empty net goals. Personally, I have ever seen. And of course the grade eight uh, is the culprit. Yeah, no, it's just incredible to witness. And I mean, this is another conversation for another day, like you brought up, but I mean, if he does pass Gretzky, he definitely will be in conversation for greatest, single greatest of all time. But let's uh, make a prediction right now. Does Ovechkin pass Gretzky? And two, when? Me, I'll answer this first. One, I think he does, because he's only 37 and still scoring at the rate that he's scoring. And two... I think he can get to 930, 940 pretty uh I, I don't think that's uh too much of an over exaggeration. Yeah, I do think he is going to break the record. Uh I'm going to agree with you. I think he breaks it not this upcoming season, not this next season, but maybe the season after that, or maybe the season, even the season following. I do think he's going to take a little bit of a dip as far as his goal scoring production is concerned. Hi, uh, Liam's mom. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I was really trying to go all the way through, but I saw the smile. Uh, but I think he's going to uh, he's going to break it in the next few years. And as far as where he ends up, here's the thing, right? You know, if he gets to a point where he's ready to hang up, you know, the skates, and he's at 950, 960 goals. Does he push himself to just say, hey, give me one more season, give me two more seasons. Maybe I can rack up two 20-goal seasons to end my career, and then I can get to 1,000. So I don't know. It's tough to call right now in 2022, but uh, I'll say he'll definitely inch his way closer to 1,000. I think he'll finish with somewhere between 950 and 970, if not maybe reaching that mark if he continues to stay consistent. And, you know, Shades, just going back to what you said before, just a quick little snippet. You were talking about that once he reaches or breaks Wayne Gretzky's uh, goal record, it's going to change the way we as fans really perceive who is the greatest of all time. And Alexander Ovechkin subsequently enters himself uh, into that conversation. You you know, I think, you know, with Mario Lemieux and especially Mario Lemieux, right? Because he is the number two player of all time, right? If you ask any player, any fan, right? Of course, they're going to say Wayne Gretzky, number one, Mario Lemieux, number two. Um, but longevity has a lot to do with that. And, you know, I'm not taking anything away from Lemieux's career. He is as talented as any that has come through the National Hockey League, especially as young as he was and how much he was able to produce and the amount of points he was able to put up. But he didn't stay on the ice all that long. And with Alexander Ovechkin, what really separates him, we've talked about it. How many games has he missed in his career? Is it under 20 during his entirety of his career? I mean, that's just absolutely insane. So for me, that's what separates Ovechkin. You know, it's not just the goal scoring. It's not just the statistics. It's not just the unselfish play. It's that he's been able to do this while staying on the ice, while taking time off for a lockout, something that you can't even blame him for. So I, I just, the point is the greatness of Alexander Ovechkin goes a lot further than the stat sheet uh, really proves, which I think, you know, most fans, you know, tend to uh, lose sight of sometimes. Yeah. And just lastly, a couple of those, a handful of those games, select few were self-inflicted suspensions because he decided to not play in the all-star game. 
which exactly which is a in my opinion a stupid rule but i digress we don't even we don't need to go into that but yeah, yeah but i could I talk know. about ov for days and i know you could too so oh same literally outside of the rangers my favorite hockey player ever yeah. so all right so let's move on to something that is you know since we're talking about ovechkin let's talk about the rest of the metropolitan division and how pretty much everyone but the devils has been hot lately i mean we look at when the rangers started that seven game winning streak against st louis which i'm still taking credit for by the way that they won seven in a row and then as soon as they started racking up win after win pittsburgh just caught fire washington seemingly caught fire carolina's just been solid all season and the only team that hasn't gotten caught in fire, in fact, has that has gone in the opposite direction, are the New Jersey Devils, which has played a major role in the Metro Division currently being as competitive and as tight as it is, which is something that if we would have looked back, or well, if we would have not, if we look back at the first 20 to 25, even perhaps 30 games of the season, I would say that nobody would have seen this coming because Washington was not playing well. Pittsburgh was not playing well either. Washington was probably playing worse in my honest opinion. The Rangers were just all over the place in a very bad way. The Devils were just hot as all hell and it looked like they were going to cruise to the number one spot. And then the Hurricanes have just, like I said, they've just been solid. So it's literally the Metro division once again proves that you just, you can't count, can't, can't count out any one team. And it's just, this division is great, but it also sucks because I'm Italian and it gives me agita. How you, how you feeling? <laughs> Love that. I was waiting for the, how you doing? Come on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, as far as the Metro is concerned, uh, it's just a big ball of confusion shades, right? I mean, for me, the only concrete answer i can really come up with when looking at the standings right in front of me is this one through six you can flip-flop them they could really end up in any place you know by the end of the year carolina they've won nine in a row you know they've kind of you know stretched themselves out between one and two of course new jersey in that second spot there's six points between them but if you're looking between number one carolina and number six the new york islanders there is a 10 point difference between those six teams that's not that much. And for me, it just goes to show that everybody's standing in this division uh, is, you know, just a little bit loose, a little bit loose for me. I'm not sure how, you know, long Carolina is going to stay in that number one spot. Like you said, Shades, New Jersey has been the only team that has struggled within that group of six. I mean, look, they're three, six and one in their last 10. Everybody else between one and five, at least, is at least seven, uh, two and one in their last 10 or better. New Jersey is the only outlier in that group. Like you said, Washington has just been insane. I mean, they've won five in a row. They're 2013 and four. I would talk to you six days ago about how the Washington Capitals were disappointing this year and how it looked like they weren't going to make the playoffs. Well, you can just throw that narrative completely out the window. You know, they rattled off five in a row. They looked really good against the Rangers last night. You know, they deserve to win that game. Rangers missed their chances for sure, but we got outplayed. You know, Pittsburgh's been really, really good as well. I mean, you know, I talked about them a ton last episode. You know, they lost their last game to the Islanders a little bit. Um, 
of a blowout in that one, but you look past it, it's a one game thing. And the Islanders themselves, you know, they still have a plus 18 goal differential. That's better than the Rangers. You know, they have 42 points. They've only played 36 games. So each team in this division between one and six outside of, of course, Philadelphia and Columbus that are feeble, uh, have a chance to win at the end of this, uh, at the end of the season. And Carolina is putting themselves in the best spot, but New Jersey's standing, Washington standing, Pittsburgh standing, and the Rangers standing. I don't know where they're going to end up by the end of the year. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, I didn't. I completely forgot that the Hurricanes were on a nine-game win streak. And you mentioned them, and I didn't really mention them. But the Islanders, I mean, they were hot there for a while. Then they were, they kind of just like evened out and have been going at the pace that they've been going. But I mean, if you would have told me that <laughs> the Devils, the Capitals, the Penguins, the Rangers, and the Islanders would all be within four points of each other on this day with Carolina getting a six-point lead on the rest of the division, probably would have called you crazy just with how everything was going. But professional sports, teams get hot. You just can never predict it. And we yet again have just what's probably going to be an insane rest of the season for the entirety of the Metro playoff division, like playoff pushes. And Shades, you have two teams in the Hurricanes and the Capitals who prior to their winning streaks, you know, if you asked a lot of people around the NHL, there'll be a lot of disappointment with both squads, especially Carolina. I mean, Carolina getting knocked out in the second round by the Rangers, right? There was supposed to be a rebound this year. Max Pacioretty hasn't been, you know, consistently playing to start the season. I don't think he's actually played at all. Just made his way back to practice. Mm-hmm. Brent Burns was supposed to come in and be that offensive dynamo was supposed to, you know, replace Tony D'Angelo as the power play quarterback. Didn't really work out. Then they've rattled off the quietest nine-game winning streak I've ever seen. I mean, I don't know about you, Shade. You had no idea. I mean, before I turned on NHL.com and I looked at the standings, I had no idea Carolina had won nine games in a row. I'll be honest with you. Uh, and, of course, Washington, they've rattled off five in a row. And before that, we were talking about how their season was in the gutter. So, you know, things are constantly changing. I think the Islanders are much better than what they've shown in the last 10 games. They're 4-4-2 four, four, and two in their last 10. Remember, they might just have the best goaltender or the second-best goaltender in this division. You know, they have still a really good head coach, you know, and Lane Lambert, who is still implementing the same type of system Barry Trotz was, but he's just allowing his players to explore themselves offensively a little bit more, leading to more production out of Matt Barzell, you know, leading to more production out of other guys like Josh Bailey and Anders Lee. So I still think there's more to come with them as well. Shades, this is just a really, really talented division. And for me, I'm just waiting for the next team to fall. And I can't believe I'm going to say it might be New Jersey. It might be New Jersey that's the next team to fall out of this because if they don't turn around this recent slide soon, Washington's going to catch up to them. Pittsburgh's going to catch up to them. And don't forget about the Rangers who made it to the Eastern Conference Final last year and the Islanders as well who made it to uh, excuse me, uh, two out of the last four Eastern Conference Finals themselves. So, you know, just they got to watch their back, the Devils, because if you continue to play poorly, it will catch up to you. And what are they in their last 10? New Jersey. I mean, three, six, and one, that's not good enough. You know, if they continue that going into the all-star break, their season could be done. Yep. Yep. And then Philly and Columbus are kind of just there at the bottom of the East. And then they're feeble. Yeah. I mean, they're combined minus 77 goal differential. That's all you need to know. That is no bueno. But look at the goal differential for teams one through six. Shades. It's insane. Oh, yeah. No, it's incredible. Everybody's at least a plus 13. 
goes to show you how good the division is. Might be the best division in the league, but again, what were you saying? No, so let's move on to what I wanted to touch upon for just a couple of minutes. The Vancouver Canucks are just, I mean, I've mentioned this before. They're like the mid of mid teams in the NHL. Like I can't even declare them the elite of the mediocre. Like I forgot who called that to, I forgot who said that about the Minnesota wild a couple of years back, which was honestly just like spot on because they would always make the playoffs they would win around like once every three or four years. And then that was literally it. The Canucks just, they can't even make the playoffs on a consistent basis, but they're also never bad enough to get a top spot in the draft. I just want to ask you your opinion on what you think the problem is with the Vancouver Canucks. And do you think it is their current GM, former GM of the Penguins, Jim Rutherford? I think Jim Rutherford has a lot to do with it. And uh, before you even mentioned his name, the answer I was going to give you was roster management. That's my biggest issue with the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, going back to when Jim Benning was the general manager, and of course they traded away uh, Louis Erickson, which was a contract they should not have signed in the first place, which I think I went into a little bit last episode. But of course they have to bring in Oliver Ekman Larson so that they can get rid of that contract. Then they bring in Connor Garland too, who's a good player, but he's an RFA. So then you have to extend him to a four and a half million dollar plus contract. Then you have JT Miller who just put up a 90 plus point season again, albeit a season you did not make the playoffs. So what are you going to do with JT Miller? You either got to commit to the player or you got to commit to trading the player and they committed to the player. Should have traded him off, should have gotten assets for him. When you look at the production, not just offensively, but defensively too. The defensive side of the puck, when you are a centerman, it matters. And JT Miller just is not living up to you know his contract and to how much he's getting paid. And I think for the Vancouver Canucks, there are a lot of players that fall underneath that ledger. I mean, and that's why outside of Elias Pettersson, and thank goodness Jim Rutherford has the presence of mind to realize not to trade Elias Pettersson and to make him your one and only uh, untouchable. But Quinn Hughes is not an untouchable. That's bold. Bo Horvat is not an untouchable. It really stinks because I think that the Canucks really had a nice core group of players, but poor asset management, poor roster management, bringing up way too much money under the salary cap. You know what the great thing is about having elite young players? You don't have to pay them too much. Elias Pettersson, right? He was on his rookie deal. He was on his ELC. He had just come out of the Swedish Elite League straight into the National Hockey League, and he was blowing it up. He was having fantastic numbers. And the Canucks looked like a young team alongside Quinn Hughes, who was also on his ELC coming out of college. And he was that number one defenseman they were waiting for on the back end. Also another guy on his ELC, Thatcher Demko, who is in the goal. Like that is three primary positions that the Vancouver Canucks had locked up. And if they had just continued with their young players, continued with their development, continued with the process, instead of forcing a trade Forcing getting Louis Erickson off your hands, bringing in Oliver Ekman Larson, bringing in Connor Garland, which has made you cash strapped in a flat cap environment in which the NHL now is. So, <clears throat> so poor roster management. I feel bad for Bruce Boudreau. I feel bad. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm my, my throat's not given at all. I feel bad for Bruce Boudreau. I feel bad for the Vancouver Canucks fan base because it has been absolutely years of mediocrity and it stinks. 
because they have a talented group of young players. Quinn Hughes, Elias Pedersen, and Thatcher Demko are three very talented young players at three premium positions, and they're all being wasted, two of which are on the trading block. That's just insane. It's just insane. And can I add one more point? You sure. mentioned you mentioned that they're not bad enough to get a big-time draft pick. They're 16, 15, and 3. That's one game over 500. They're not going to be in the race for Bedard. They're not going to be in the race for a playoff. You know what's going to happen? They're going to miss the playoffs by five to seven points, and they're going to end up getting the 11th pick. Mm-hmm. Nothing's going to change. Yeah, I f- this is a whole discussion I don't want to go into, but NHL 500 is just, I don't like it. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, no, you said perfectly when you said roster management. I'm just like, like initially when they even brought Rutherford in, I was even saying, how are Canucks fans not mad about this? Because he literally just had, look at his recent track record with the Pittsburgh Penguins after they won those, those two cups. Yeah. Look at that team on paper now. You would not even think of them as cup contenders just this shortly after winning back-to-back cups. I mean, they traded away seemingly everyone. And remember uh, back in like 2016 and 2017 when the Blackhawks just made pretty much horrendous move after horrendous move with trades and signings? I thought that Pittsburgh was arguably, I wouldn't say on that level, but this if this was Chicago, this was Pittsburgh in terms of how many bad moves they made. Like, how was nobody seeing that? And that's a big reason why, at least going into the offseason, you know, before Jim Rutherford was let go by the Penguins, I had thought that, you know, a decline was imminent for for Pittsburgh. A lot of it has to do with roster management. And it was until they made that switch to get, who was it? Uh, Berkey? Burke in there uh, as their uh, general manager. I'm going to double check that right now. Um, But it's only until they made the switch, you know, regardless of Jim Rutherford that things started to turn around, uh, you know, in Pittsburgh. So Ron Hextall in Pittsburgh, Ron Hextall and, uh, Brian, Brian, Brendan Burke. Mm. Yeah. Brendan Burke, in my opinion is didn't get enough respect as a general manager, but that, then again, that's another, that's kind of a whole different topic. Excuse me. That was Brian Burke. So Brian Burke is the president of hockey operations. Hextall is the general manager, uh, in Pittsburgh. Um, but still a different group, running things that's all that matters and the fact that it wasn't jim rutherford anymore in pittsburgh you know just makes their turnaround make a lot more sense in the grand scheme of things and it makes vancouver's demise also unfortunately make sense too so all right so not to get too into detail just to a little mini quick fire question of to end this topic does bo horvat get traded and to where I do think Bo Horvat gets traded, and I think Bo Horvat gets traded to the Vegas Golden Knights. Ooh, interesting. Because I ha- I'm i going to predict the Colorado Avalanche. Interesting. I think there's a lot of landing spots for Bo Horvat. You know, he's a face-off winning centerman. He's on a decent contract. You know, he does have to get paid this offseason, but, you know, it's probably not going to be too much. And, you know, for contending teams, maybe you're willing to put that cap hit, you know, on your books at the deadline and see what happens come the offseason. I think the Islanders are going to be interested in Bo Horvat as well. You know, that could be a potential landing spot. I know they need some help down the middle. Anders Lee really hasn't been, uh, you know, the seven and a half million dollar player they need him to be, especially down the middle. But, uh, yeah, but if I had a gun to my head, I'd say Vegas. I think Vegas is a very intriguing option for Bo Horvat. You know, maybe William Carlson goes the other way, maybe something there. We'll see. 
interesting. I'm just going to say Colorado because one, they won the cup literally this year. They can, they can afford to go all in. You literally have nothing to lose because you just won. So I think Sackage would be very willing to make that move. I concur. I could see that. All right. So last but not least, Liam, what is the 2022 calendar year moment for the New York Rangers? Well, there's so many moments, Shades, and unfortunately I know what yours is, so I'm not going to take it, but yours is definitely up there. I'm going to go with a grouping, if that's okay. You know, I can't really choose one. Go right ahead. But for me, I'm going to start a little bit early in the year, January 28th to be exact, Henrik Lundqvist getting his jersey retired into mm. the rafters at Madison Square Garden. I think it it belongs to be up there. You know, it's one of those moments that uh, is going to resonate with all of us because Hank was truly a huge part of my childhood. And, you know, I definitely I know yours as well. So I think that moment has to be there, at least something off of the ice. Uh, secondary for me, it's got to be the shift in yes. the, what was it, game two, game one, game one or game two, I think it was game two uh, of the Eastern Conference final against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, how long did the Rangers keep the puck in the zone? I remember Adam Fox gloving one down at the blue line, getting it over and a cross-ice pass to Hedl, one-timer past Vasilevsky. Uh, that was uh, certainly a special moment. And my last one also against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I don't know if you remember this one. Mika Zibanejad in Tampa during the regular season scored in the last, what was it, 10 seconds of the game on the power play. Uh, that was a really special one for me. So a lot of great moments this year, but uh, check out those three if you haven't checked them out. But Shades, take it away. What's yours? Moment of the year. Artemi Panarin. Yes. Game seven, overtime, power play goal for the win, the game win, the series win. Adios, Pittsburgh. I literally don't think I've yelled as loud as that <laughs> when the Rangers have ever won a game. And this is dating back. Like, I didn't scream that much when they made the Stanley Cup final in 2014 because I was literally pulling one of those silent arms raised over your head, just basking in the glory of, holy crap, this team might actually do it. But when Artemi Panarin scored that goal i yelled yes as loud as i ever have my mom was in the basement with me and i honestly might have scared her <laughs> but just literally a third three to one series comeback in the last i think nine 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 seasons if i got my numbers correctly so Again, just so good. We did not deserve, we arguably did not deserve to win that series, but just the fact that we eliminated Pittsburgh in overtime of a game seven, just, it was just so, so sweet. And, you know, if I wasn't at risk of taking your pick, that would have been mine too, uh, Panarin's goal. I mean, just simply electric uh, can describe that moment and the call from Sam Rosen. I know, you know, two people who like speaking into a microphone, I know he can appreciate just how awesome that was, but I also want to give out an honorable mention uh, for the best Ranger moment of the year that I forgot to uh, talk about Chris Kreider's game six goal. We don't get to game seven. If Chris Kreider doesn't score with a minute and a half left against mm -hmm. Louis Domingue in Pittsburgh. And that was 
really, really special. It was, you know, a nothing shot and Domingue flubbed it and we took the lead and that's how we got to a game seven. So, you know, for me, you know, I can't look back at Panarin's overtime goal in game seven without looking back at that too, you know, the comeback that got us there. So, but it was all just a special season overall for sure. Yeah. And just to end this on a funny note, my cousin texted me after game one of that series. He, he texts marathon game. And I think like right after that, the Penguins scored to win the game. And I just texted him back. That game alone gave me multiple gray hairs, (laughs) (laughs) which I was actually watching that game at Brendan's house. So were you? Yeah, yeah, we got together because we were just like, dude, we got to watch the the playoff game together. It's first one in five years. And I'm just like, absolutely. (laughs) And then we have to sit through a three overtime, just crap goal. That was a tough one. Yeah. But hey, it's the end of 2022. This year friggin' flew by. The Rangers hopefully can, you know, duplicate at least getting back to the Eastern Conference final. But in the meantime, let's enjoy the new year. Let's enjoy week 17 and week 18 of the NFL regular season. Our Jets still have a chance, miraculously. Thank you, Aaron Rodgers. And uh, yeah, come January 2nd, I will either be in an extremely good mood or just extremely depressed because the Jets might lose five in a row to knock them out of the playoffs. But I have optimism this year. I have optimism. Optimism is all you need sometimes. Are you going to do a uh, best moment in the league? You want to do that? Uh, yeah, all right. Uh, I mean, we literally talked about it already. O- OV getting second all time. You think it's OV? That, that's my personal moment of the year. Just because to witness one of my favorite all-time players ever since I started watching hockey actually achieved this goal after a couple of years back of people literally discussing why the Capitals should trade him, which ended up becoming a moot point because literally the year after he would go on to win the cup and that conversation just dropped. Everybody just dropped it, but he's 37 and he has 800 goals, 802 now. And he has a very, very realistic chance to not only pass Gretzky, but to shatter the record. And the fact that I got to witness the game that he became second all time, it was just, it was special. What about you? It definitely was special. And I think Ovechkin's milestone has to be up there. I want to take absolutely nothing away from him. But, you know, I just look back to last season and I just look back at the playoffs and just some of the moments uh, that we were able to enjoy. And I just look back specifically, second round goal, for Darren Helm in game six, 35-year-old Darren Helm, who didn't have a roster spot a couple years ago, ends up eliminating the St. Louis Blues with six seconds left. He was so good for the Colorado Avalanche in that run. He was a big reason why they won the Stanley Cup. It's those veterans. It's those veterans that come out of nowhere, and Darren Helm was that uh, for the Colorado Avalanche. So I just want to give credit where it's due. And as far as the best moment on ice, I guess you could say, for me, Connor McDavid undressing the Rangers. I know it was a sad moment, but uh, yeah, that that takes the cake for me. I don't, I don't think there's a play that's going to beat that. Yeah, dude, Connor, like it's it's not fair how good he is. It, it's just not fair. Yeah, it's not fair, but it is what it is, you know. And yeah. uh, 
that's just the talent that uh, that lays in the NHL these days. Crazy. And this might be a little bit of a bold take, but we could arguably be watching like the career of a top five all time player when all is said and done with McDavid's career. He could stay healthy. It's all yes. about staying healthy. The reason Ovechkin is sitting where he is today and the reason why we're talking about him in the light that we are is because he's been able to stay healthy. And knock on wood, Connor McDavid's been able to do that throughout his entire career. We'll see. I've just alerted my dogs and they're now barking. So <laughs> it's okay, guys. No worries. It's okay. Yeah, on Christmas Eve, my cousin's dog fell asleep in my lap. I was that was so adorable. Love my dogs. Dog, and there's Mama awesome. Godmer again. <laughs> you can cut this one out. <laughs> nah, I've had streams where my mom has walked behind me because I've had to record in the basement a couple times. But yeah, that's just gonna about do it for this episode of Pucks and Brews, episode number 29. Hope everybody once again had a Merry Christmas, has a Happy New Year, enjoys some Week 17 New Year's Day playoff football. Hope everybody enjoys the January 2nd Winter Classic between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Boston Bruins. Uh, check us out on YouTube, uh, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes. Uh, that's We might be on a couple more platforms as well. Uh, follow us on all of our social media accounts listed in the description below. As you could tell, it's been a while since I've gotten this intro right. But uh, Liam, thank you once again for joining. You're on mute again. Of course I'm on <laughs> mute. The dogs made me mute it. Of course, Shades. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Yeah. And hopefully next week or next time we record, which is hopefully next week, we will have Woj back. Oh. So, yeah, we Woj. might have a little bit of a 2023 early surprise for the podcast. Man, that's uh, that's exciting. I can't wait. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. And with that, Happy New Year, go Jets, and go Rangers. Go, yeah, absolutely, go Rangers. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>